Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Connie Mariano, and welcome to the first show of my second season on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I'm so happy to be back in the studio today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to first start by thanking my sponsor, my husband, John Weber, who's here today in the studio. He is producing my 13 episodes. And this was a wonderful Christmas gift John gave to me about two years ago. He wanted to give me a chance to go back on the radio. Now, how many husbands do that? When he came to the studio here and talked to the Voice America folks about signing me up for 13 episodes, they looked at him like he was crazy. I mean, how many husbands come in and want to buy airtime for their wives? I mean, really, most husbands don't want their wives to say anything. But John really knew how much I enjoyed having my own radio show back in 2012. And I had 13 episodes then. I had a fun time. We did those great shows. And so he sponsored the next 13 episodes for me. Now, that Christmas gift was about two years ago, and I was busy at the time. And every time I thought about coming back, I thought, do I got to have to have a really good reason to come back other than it was a gift? I need to use this. It's like, it's like Christmas time. You're a guy. You get a tie. When do I wear the tie or a sweater? And I kept thinking, but I've got to have a reason to go on the air, not to just talk, but what's my message? And so why did it take me so long? What was the reason I came back to the show? What was the impetus for me to return? Well, a lot of things changed in the last four years since I was last on the air. And really, my reason for being here today is my antidote to what we're experiencing in the world today. Now, nowadays, this is my experience, and maybe it's yours, when you listen to the radio or you watch TV, all you hear and see are people who are arguing, shouting, talking over each other, criticizing each other. There's a lot of anger out there. You notice it's interesting when you look at the word anger, the, it, part of that word is in the word danger. So, hmm, makes you think about it. So in today's news, it's bad news. And with the 24-hour news network, not only is it bad news, but it's bad news all the time. Haven't you noticed that if somebody disagrees with you nowadays, it isn't just about disagreeing over the idea or concept. They feel like they have to take you down as a person. They have to demonize you. All this is enough to give you high blood pressure. Now, as a doctor, I practice full-time medicine in my practice in Scottsdale. I see patients every day, and they come in for their annual exams. They call me all the time. They email me. They text me. And the common theme that I'm seeing from my patients is stress. They say they have worries a lot. They worry about the world. They're worried they're stressed out. Uh, politics has been an issue for them that causes a lot of grief. They can't sleep at, no- sleep at night. And it's, a lot of this is just from listening to the news. So what's a person to do? Well, this radio show is my way to do something to help others through my philosophy about living. And that is to practice a life that's positive, purposeful, practical, and also aims to be peaceful. So if you don't like what you're seeing in the world, if you're sick and tired of all the negativity, my prescription is this. 
become the change you want to see in this world. So I'm inviting you to join me on my show to listen in on people who are positive, who want to help others, who aren't looking to argue or fight. So if you're looking for a fight or an argument, please turn now to another station because you're about to enter the no fight zone. This season we have some great shows in store for you. 13 exciting episodes with fascinating experts who will help enlighten, educate, and entertain you. Now for this first show, I'm going to talk about the power of the press. Oh yes, of the media. You know, I've always been fascinated by the press. In high school in San Diego, I first experienced the power of the media because I was in the newspaper industry back in the old days when we printed that out before Al Gore invented the internet. I served as the editorial editor of my high school paper, The Seabreeze, back in the 1970s. And in my senior year of high school at Mar Vista, I was the editor-in-chief editor of my school paper. So I studied journalism in the old days when your teacher said, you need to learn the basics of journalism about making a news story about who, what, when, where, why, and how. Remember those as you're putting together a news article? I knew on the editorial page, that was the opinion page, not the news page. That's where you put together those inf that information. You don't express your opinion on the news page. Now, on the editorial page, you put your opinion and you put your byline. And recently, I've seen in, in the news, and it's ongoing, that I'll look at the news page and say, my goodness, this looks like the editorial page. What's going on here? So what's the problem? Most of us, what we see and perceive in this world is shaped by what comes to our brain through what we hear on the radio, what we hear on TV, what we read in the paper, on the internet, what we see around us. Do we really get the whole story? Is it biased? I tell people that almost everything we see and hear about our world is filtered through the person reporting it. It's obvious, right? How do I know this firsthand? Well, I spent nine years at the White House as physician to three sitting American presidents through three different administrations. I've taken care of Republicans and Democrats. I've even taken care of members of the White House press corps. And I've watched and listened to the many speeches of each of the presidents I've served. The White House doctor usually stands backstage or at a distance watching the president giving every one of those speeches. So you see the whole speech unfiltered by somebody whispering in your ear about what he's saying. No filter, it's just coming to you direct. Then the next day when I pick up the newspaper, I would read about that particular item, about what the president said, and I would look at it and go, my goodness, I was there. I don't think that's what he said. Let me share with you one of my favorite press corps, press corps stories. It was during the time I was taking care of President Bill Clinton on his first Asian Pacific Summit in Jakarta, Indonesia. I just arrived at the hotel late that night with the president and his entourage. My nurse, who was uh, the advanced nurse at the time, Wendy Van Dyke, was in Jakarta two weeks ahead of time doing what we call the medical advance. So she was picking the hospitals, every place we would visit, and she was also taking care of the White House staff as well as the military unit, the Secret Service, and the press corps who are already there in advance of the president's trip. Well, the president was in for the night. There was a lid on the press, which is what we say the president's not going anywhere. And so Wendy pulls me aside and says, Doc, I need you to help me. We've got several reporters who are sick in the hotel. 
they were out last night, they went out in the local economy, had a little too much to drink, they ate the local food, and invariably they got traveler's diarrhea. So she says, come help me. So we went to about three to four different rooms in the hotel, evaluating the reporters. Uh, some of them even we had to put IVs in because they needed to, to be hydrated. And around that time, it was about four o'clock in the morning, we finished with our last patient. And we gave him some medication, tucked him into bed, gave him some fluids. And he was very, very grateful. He said, Dr. Connie, I'm so thankful for you coming to see me. Is there anything I can do to repay you? I said, oh, no, I'm fine. It's my job, just my job. So as I turned around, I thought, it's my one opportunity. So I turned around, went back to him, and I said, you know, there is just one thing you can do. He says, name it. I'll do anything. I said, never, ever give me bad press. So I was very fortunate to have not gotten any bad press during my nine years at the White House, which is probably a miracle. My job at the White House really was to take care of the president and the first family, to be their doctor and not the spin doctor. And actually, press, the only time that I had any press, it turned out to be really positive and helped me get a promotion. And this is the way it happened. It was during my first year at the White House under President Clinton. And we were on the road, I think it was in somewhere in Florida, and we were going back to Air Force One, we were on the tarmac, and the press pool was assembled at the rear door, which is how they board Air Force One. And Frank Murray of the Washington Times who was one of the longtime reporters, he's now in Florida. Frank was at the rear door, and somehow they were testing the engines on Air Force One, which I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but he got blasted by the engine blast. So he rolled down the tarmac, the agents wrapped him up, and they brought him on board Air Force One. Now on board Air Force One, that beautiful 747 in which they have two of those, the other is the backup plane, in that plane in the forward compartment is a medical compartment, which is where I sat for nine years whenever we traveled with the president. President's in the forward part in the nose of the plane. So they brought Frank up, Frank Murray up, to the forward part to the medical compartment and said, Doc, you got to look at him. He's, he's injured. So I looked at him. We assessed him. The nurse was with me. We bandaged him up, patched him up, reassured him he was okay. He wanted pictures taken and all that. And I thought that was the end of it. About a week later, Frank goes, I want to write a story about you. And I said, no, no, we're, we're not supposed to be in the press. When you, know, when you see the president on the news, we always pull aside. We're not supposed to be in any photo ops. That's not our job. We're supposed to lay low. He says, oh, no, I really think you'd make a great story. I mean, you're an American story, Connie. Your father was a Navy steward, joined in the 1940s in the Navy, U.S. Navy, brought you to the U.S. You're educated in this country. You went to medical school in the military med school. You're a career Navy. You're a commander. You're the first military woman to be, become White House doctor. I mean, this is a great story. You're Filipino-American. This is a great story. And I said, no. Well, ultimately, Frank went to the press secretary and said, oh, it's a great story. Go ahead and print it. So it arrived in the press, and it made its way around the networks. About two weeks after that story made made the media, I get this letter from a Brigadier General Chet Ward from Oroville, California. Dr. Ward, it so happens, had been the Army doctor under President Nixon, and he was the senior physician under Nixon when he resigned. And he had seen that article in Oroville, California, and he sent me a copy of that 
plus a letter, plus an Article 124, which was a special article, was an act of Congress enacted in the early 1920s. And in that article, it said that the senior White House doctor shall be made the rank automatically of a captain or a colonel with the pay and rank and privileges thereof. And he noticed at the time I was a commander. I was had been a commander for only nine months. And he says, Connie, you should be carrying a higher rank because you are the senior White House doc. And so I took that letter and the Act of Congress information to the military office who governed us. They researched it under legal counsel and said, you know, this is correct. This is the law. And so they war- marched it through legal. They took it to the president. And he promoted me as a very young captain in the Navy at that time. Now, I went on to become a rear admiral a few years later towards the end of President Clinton's tour. And I think one of the highlights of that, because it set into motion my promotion, was that I was promoted as the first Filipino-American history to become a Navy rear admiral. So because of that chain of events, a positive press, that led to my promotion. So I'm very grateful to Frank Murray for that good press. And I also thank General Ward for bringing that to my attention. So today, you know, we talk about the media. This is my response to what's going on. But I have a special guest today on my show. And it's somebody who has never given me bad press. And that's senior reporter from the Phoenix Business Journal, Angela Gonzalez. Now, I've got, I've got her in the second portion, but I want to I actually bring her on now in this first portion of it to, to introduce her and talk about her. I met Angela. I don't think she remembers this, although you can probably Google it. I think I met you, Angela. She's in studio with me today. I met you about 13 years ago. I was a keynote speaker at the Phoenix Business Journal's Healthcare Heroes Awards. And I was introduced, I just moved to Phoenix, and I spoke at that event honoring the local leaders in healthcare in, in our town. And what impressed me about Angela, I knew she was a top-notch reporter with the Business Journal, does beautiful work in her as a profession, but she was introduced as the person who would sing the national anthem. And here is somebody who professionally was a reporter using words. And what she did was her forte, which I thought was so impressed, was sing. And I know I've kept in touch with her over the years. She's always given me good press, good, uh, very nice things about it, connected me with wonderful people. So I'm going to introduce her today. She's my special guest on my show. Uh, she's been good to me in a lot of ways, has introduced me to some amazing people. Um, and I think, I think we owe it to the audience, too, in a lot of ways to talk about the media, about about the people in it, how things work with that. And I wanted somebody who was in that profession. She's been with the Phoenix Business Journal now for 30 years. She'll celebrate her 30th anniversary this month. She's received many awards for journalism and community awards for her volunteer efforts. As a reporter, she's interviewed me. I never get hypertension or break out in a sweat. She's very pleasant. I'll tell her all my secrets. I'd never lie to her. That's my whole deal with reporters. I'll never lie or deceive. You can trace that. But I've got some questions, and it gives me great delight that I actually get to interview you. This is, this is a thrill. So let me start off, and I think we've got about uh, two minutes before we break. But first question, it's always you know, a fun question. Why did you get into journalism? Why did you pick the, the field, Angela? Well, I was in college, and I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I, you, had to get, you had to declare a major, and I was 
getting to my junior year and I still hadn't declared a major. I was, I, I'd take a psychology class. Oh, I'll become a psychologist. I take a sociology class. Oh, I'll do that. And so my sociology professor, um, we'd have to turn in these papers and he said, you're a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. Why don't you consider journalism? And I'm like, well, maybe. So I went to the school newspaper and said, hey, can I write for you? And they said, sure, go ahead. And when I got my first front page story, that was kind of where I was hooked. Oh my gosh, it was that one story to, to, to be able to do that. We were talking about your children. You have three children, you have one daughter. Tell us about your daughter now in journalism, what she's So doing. my youngest daughter is Alicia, she's 21, and she's a senior at ASU in the Cronkite School of Journalism, and she's a broadcast major. And um, so, so, so right now she's kind of working her way through, she's working on her master's and her bachelor's at the same time, and she's kind of following in my footsteps. Um, she's more interested in the broadcast side than print. That's exciting. So she wants to follow with you, right? Did, what kind of advice did you give her? when she started off in the field? Well, what I thought would be good for her was because she was a, she she did theater, she did dance, she was really always on stage. I thought she'd be great to be in broadcast, that, that she'd be a natural for, for a, a broadcast reporter. So I kind of guided her in that direction and, and it was something that she took too well because she likes being on the stage. Now, were you ever, had the opportunity to ever do the broadcast live? Were you ever into that or did you prefer pros, mostly print media? You know, when I was in college, I was at Colorado State University, my very last semester of my senior year, I had signed up for a broadca- broadcast class and I loved it. I just loved it. It was so fun. We were in the, in the um, lab making these you know putting the video together and everything until midnight and it was just so fun and I thought oh I wish I had majored in this but it was too late I was graduating that semester and so that that is one regret that I wish I would have known to to go that direction instead because it was it was really fun and then the Phoenix Business Journal also had a um a partnership with Channel 12 mm-hmm. several years ago and I was the substitute backup person and I'd go on on TV for the Sunday morning news so that was kind of fun. Do you ever uh, draw a blank when you're trying to write a story? Yes, all the time. Real, uh, well, how do you get it going? How do you start writing? Um, what I do is what really can really stop you is your first sentence. You want that to be perfect. You want to draw people in. But if you just jump to the next sentence and start kind of, you know, telling the story and then you go back and then you can, then you kind of rework it that way. So what's the hardest part the about hard- your job? The hardest part about my job? Um, just juggling everything mm-hmm. because we're writing for print mm-hmm. and we're also writing for online every day. So it's just kind of getting it all done. Sometimes I'll forget something and I'm like, I just was going to do that. And, you know, it just kind of fleets out of my head. So. Well, hold on to that. I just got the cue. We're going to break now for our three-minute break. Okay, guys? Stand by. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? 
My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back, everybody. I've got my favorite reporter here in Phoenix. Of course, I have bias, right? Angela Gonzalez. She is a senior reporter for the Phoenix Business Journal. She celebrates her 30th year with the Business Journal this month. And we're talking about media. We're talking about her career. We're talking about reporters, because we've had lots of experience with reporters. I remember one time when I did my book tour a few years ago, I was asking a reporter what types of people are the hardest people to interview. And I was just wondering for you, who do you, have, who do you challenge by what types of people it is are to interview? For me, because I cover healthcare, biotech, and education, it's the scientists. I mean, they're so smart. It's amazing. I just look at them, and it's I'm so wowed. It's it's understanding. It's bringing down onto my level what they're doing. And so, a lot of times, I might have to go back and say, "Can you say that another way?" or "Can you help me describe that?" So, I think that's the hardest part is is just those really smart scientific researchers. When you when you got into the business, your profession, what surprised you the most about journalism? This is a typical John Weber question my husband likes to ask. What surprised you? What shocked you about it? Um, you know, 
you look at, when I first started, there were some reporters at the Arizona Republic who covered healthcare, because I started off covering healthcare, who were just amazing. And I, and I was 21, I was so young, I didn't know anything about anything. And I would read their stories and I just would say, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, how do you know this stuff? And so it's, so, but, but it's just a learning process and you just kind of go along and you meet people and you learn about what they're doing and they, and there are a lot of people who, who helped me along the way really understand the industry. So the shocking part is just, that was the shocking part was, it, I was just in over my head. Who mentored you? Did you have somebody guiding you along the way? I mean, when you come into a group like that, were there particular people who helped you? Well, in our office at the Phoenix Business Journal, we had a really awesome editor. My first editor was Kent Krause. He's um, still an editor at one of our other publications in um, Texas. He was amazing. He had one arm. He had lost part of his arm. And he he would do anything. He he might be there pecking away with one finger. I'm like, oh, let me do that, Kent. I'll, I'll, I'll handle that. And he's like, no, we're all in this together. We're a team, and we're going to all do this together, and everybody plays their part. And I just thought that was so impressive that he was an editor, and he was willing to you know type in public records if that needed to be done. So he was a, he was a great mentor while I had him as a as an editor. What what are the stories you wish you had written? Uh, there's one. There's one story that I always wanted to do, and it just, I kept trying to do it, was, you know, everybody does the top doctors, and sorry about this, but I wanted to do the worst doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to show who are the bad doctors, who are the ones you just don't want to go to. Wow. Who healthy. are the doctors to avoid? Yeah. I tried. I tried to get something like that, but people warned me that was just a lawsuit Don't waiting they do to happen. That? <laughs> exactly. Don't they have that on Yelp where they do that? They sort of, you know, stay away. I mean, there's so much now on the internet, you know, people, anybody can do that. And it's sort of scary. I mean, do you find it? Uh, have you Googled yourself and see what people says? I've Googled myself and go, where did that come from? Yeah, I've Googled myself, but I didn't see any comments about me, which may be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Do you keep a file of all your articles and everything you've maintained? I used to. I used to, when I first started out, I used to photocopy them and put them in a binder. And now it's just, no, I don't. It's just too much. Do you find over time that our writing style, reporting style has changed? You know, one of the things as an author, having written my memoir, somebody told me that you have to write at a third grade level because just the way people in this life read now, it's everything short, choppy sentences, no big sesquipedalian terms. It's just very simple. You don't use the SAT words. You just very simple words. True. I mean, you write to communicate. And so instead of using the word, uh, well, I can't even think of a word that you would use instead, but use small words, use words to communicate. You're not trying to impress. You're trying to communicate. Boy, that's a, t that's a challenge, isn't it, with that? And when people work with that. You know, there's a lot of things floating around about reporters and personalities and who's this and what. Is there one thing in particular you want people to know about reporters in the media? Well, we're very busy. We're, we're just inundated. Here at the, at the Phoenix Business Journal, for example, we are basically writing for two publications. We write for the daily online, mm -hmm. 
And we also write for a weekly publication that comes out every Friday. And so we're juggling all of that, and we get inundated by uh, people wanting us to write about their company. And we can only do so much. There's really, you know, a handful of reporters at our paper. So do you ever have a slow news day? Yeah. What's that like? Nice. Really? What do you? So what do you put? What what becomes your? You know, you go through your list of companies or someone you want to feature. You put that. Do you have something waiting in the oh, wings? Oh, there's that you want? always something waiting in the wings. Oh my gosh, I have notes on my desk where I did an interview, you know, a week or two ago, and I keep meaning to get to it, but then some breaking news happens, so I have to write that first, and it just kind of sits there. I actually have one right now. So how long does it take you once you write your article to get? press? I mean, what's your deadline usually? So it's different for the daily. You can write it, file it, and it'll be on online in minutes Mm -hmm. after a couple edits. But for the, the print publication, we go to print every Wednesday. So everything has to be done before Wednesday so that it comes out on Friday. Does anyone ever edit what you write? Do yes. You ever, so they do. Yeah, we have editors. We um, we have a, a managing editor and an editor. They We have to have two edits on each of our stories. How many times do you edit an article, go over yours or rewrite it? How often do you do that? I don't do that, which is probably good that we have editors because yeah. I'm in such a hurry, just write it really fast and I really should proof it a little more carefully. Um, you know, we do need periods at the end of our sentences. Has anybody ever rewritten what you've written? Have you ever found that happen? What do you mean? Our or said, listen, go back and do it again. Oh, Maybe you had that early yes, on, yes. over and over again. Yes, it's so frustrating when the editors send you back. That's the worst part of it. It's a challenging part, huh? It is. Like, what do you lose sleep at over at night? What do you, what do you have trouble sleeping about? Uh, nothing really. So actually. you're pretty good. You know, I thought of you as, as my first guest, not only because of the media, but maybe your name's a signal because, you know, the word angel in the Bible means messenger. And I think your appropriately name is a reporter because you're a messenger, right? So what, what do you think your life's message is? Oh, that's pretty cool. I never thought of that. Um, well, my job, I, I've always thought of my job ever since the beginning. When I write something, I need to be fair, objective, and accurate. Mm-hmm. And I can't take a side. I can't, I can't. I have to give everybody equal shot at and then let the reader decide. So I think just kind of presenting it and then letting the reader decide. That's always how I viewed my job. Good for you. I wish more of them would do that. You know, um, you've, you've got a tough job. I mean, you, you work long hours, but I know that's not all your life. I know from you personally that your profession as a reporter, as a journalist is one thing, you're a wife and mother, but you're also a woman of, of faith. And and I really believe, I think your passion is singing. Can you share about it what is. that's about? Yeah, so I, I, I've been singing since I was probably four years old. I remember as a kid, we um, would go to summer vacation Bible camp, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember we they put they had us singing songs and we did a little show for our parents at the end of the vacation bible camp and i just remember myself being front and center singing the loudest as a little four-year-old and i just i just loved singing my dad was in a band as i was growing up and so i was really always surrounded by music and was in choirs in elementary 
all through college and and um, singing in church. My dad was the band musician in church, and so I always sang along in, in the little choir. So, Did you have any formal training in, in voice culture and music? I didn't all the way through college. It wasn't until a few years ago that I started taking voice lessons um, here and there. I'd always start, and then something would fall apart with our, you know, schedules or things like that. So I would say maybe two or three years of training is what I've been able My gosh. To, to get you know, in. Because we're going to get a chance for you to, to sing uh, later today. But, you know, that's one of the things I thought about when I thought of you and, and the people in my life. My husband, John Weber, who is a very successful businessman, CEO, brilliant businessman, but, uh, you know, his profession was, was turning around companies. But his passion is gliders. He loves it. And I, and I look at my life and I've always been interested in writing and communication. And when I was in high school, I thought I love being a reporter. I love journalism. I love the excitement of it. I was also in student body, uh, student government. I minored in poli-sci, political science in college. But then I thought, well, medicine, what is it about medicine? It's science, it's fascinating, you help people, but it's the stories. People have great stories. And there's a lot of wonderful writers who were physicians, and it you taps it into your people's lives. And I look at what you do, how do you get people to talk to you? How do you get them, is it easy for you to get people to share and open up with, open up to you? I feel like it is, I just, because we're just chatting, we're just, you know, here, tell me about this, and oh, what about that? And, and you just kind of start chatting, like, you know, you just get to know them, and it's, I love telling people stories. Well, do you ever have somebody who just won't open up? I mean, you say, I'm here to do the interview, and they're just very guarded. I mean, yes. how do you lose, I mean, you can't give sometimes them alcohol, can you? Sometimes you can. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you apply them with alcohol? I guess you could, but um, sometimes you just can't. Some, there are just some people who, they just won't talk about that, or there are some people that are just boring. <laughs> really? <laughs> so it's like a short article. Yes. But you don't say this boring individual. You know, you don't put no. any of that. <laughs> you know, it just, it just always amazes me about what people, you know, write about. And have you thought of writing more than that, writing books or anything else? Your story of your life? Or? No, my story is boring. And um, I'm so involved in singing with church that I really don't have any time to think about writing a book. I don't even know what I would say. Because you told me, I mean, you're busy during the holidays over Christmas. You do weddings. Um yeah. I mean, it takes, I think, great courage to speak in front of public, but it takes even greater courage to sing. And when, you know, someone goes in front of a large crowd like you did and sing the national anthem, everybody holds their breath. Because when you hit those high notes or do you forget, you know, I mean, you don't use a teleprompter. You you memorize it. And I think that's that, that really puts a lot of... Know, stress in that way but you love it you love what you do with I that do. that's I important it. so I always find that interesting that your life is dedicated to spreading the word obviously in print and media but also through your song and and you're very close to to your church I think you're very involved in it can you tell us about where you go to church and what you do well I um oops sorry I I sing, I, I'm the cantor at St. Daniel the Prophet in Scottsdale, mm -hmm. which means I lead the parishioners and the choirs in, in song. And so I sing five masses a weekend. Mm -hmm. I do um, three in English and two in Spanish. 
and so then various um, weddings and funerals and quinceañeras and other masses will pop up throughout that. So you've got a pretty busy schedule that does that. I do. You know, but in, the, in addition to balancing you know, your life with your family and, and your kids. You said you you would sing for us. Are you able to do that sure. before we go to a break? Sure, right now? Yeah, without blasting the microphones. Okay, let's see. Okay. I am So, um, how about Ave Maria yeah. from Schubert? Okay. Ave Maria. beautiful, Angela. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, Which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Hidden Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time 
on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the final segment of our show of House Calls. I'm Dr. Connie Mario, Mariano, and I'm your host. And we just heard in the last segment the beautiful voice of our wonderful reporter from the Phoenix Business Journal, Angela Gonzalez. She's also performing at Our Lady of Fatima concert Saturday, October 14th at 6 p.m. at St. Daniel the Prophet Roman Catholic Church on uh, North Hayden. So if you're, you've got time to go, I, I would encourage it. You'll hear her beautiful voice as well as the voices of so many wonderful people in that choir. You know, I just love radio. I just love having my own show. Thank you, darling John, for doing this. But the reason I love it is I don't have to worry about my hair or my makeup or what I'm wearing. And I don't have to stare at a camera with a little red dot facing me and intimidating me. And I think that when you listen to a radio or a podcast or the internet radio, it allows the listener not to be distracted or biased by what you're seeing. You don't know necessarily the ethnicity of a person. You're not influenced whether you like the way they look or don't look. All you hear is that voice. That's what you hear in your head. Are you hearing voices? You are. Well, it's okay. You're listening to internet talk radio. I'm hoping this show helps you look at the media differently. I hope it makes you think of what source is giving you information and if that information, what that is or what kind of filter is coming through it. Is it factual? Is it true? Do you trust the source? And you decide. You make the decision. Don't let people influence what you're thinking. You make a decision. Try to be educated about it. So let's go back to what I was talking about at the start of the show. What do you do with the negative energy, negative news, negative people that surround us every day? How do you cope? First of all, I really think you need to take control of the situation. When I drive to work in the morning, I listen to the radio. I have about 25 minutes of potential exposure. When I find my heart rate picking up, my jaw clenching, feeling anxious, I take control of the situation. You know what I do? I turn off the radio. Or even better, I change the channel to Country Western. Yep, that's what I do. There's nothing like the soothing wisdom and wit of Country Western music to get me in a better mood. I stay away from media sources, both in print and on TV, which I find would be negative to me. I don't watch anything that raises my blood pressure. I stay away from it. Why subject myself to that? It's like poking my eye out with a pen. If it doesn't directly impact my life or the lives of my loved ones and only serves as an irritant at the moment, 
then I shut it off. I try to focus on what is positive. So why is being positive such a good thing? Well, studies show that positive people live longer. One study of a thousand people that looked at attitudes and longevity found there was a protective relationship between optimism and mortality. People with positive attitudes lived longer. Amen to that. They even had a 77% lower risk of heart disease than pessimistic people. So my treatment or my prescription to you today is this. Choose to be positive in a negative world. How do you do that? Number one, turn off or turn away from negativity. I stay away or limit my exposure to negative people. Did you ever meet somebody who you think might be an energy vampire? They literally suck the life out of you. You know you've been exposed to them because when they leave the room, you feel totally drained from that exposure. Number two, aim to be optimistic. Number three, practice being kind and patient. I realize we live in a world that is rude, that's hurried, hassled, impatient. People feel rushed and busy and hurried and hassled. You don't have, to, you don't have time to be with each other. You know, you're rushed all the way. You know, try to make eye contact with people. Acknowledge them. One of the presidents I took care of had an incredible gift of charisma. His gift was this. He made whomever he was meeting feel as though they were the only one in the room. He focused on them. He looked at them. He drew them in. He gave them his full attention. He made them feel special. When I see patients in my office, I focus on them. I make them feel as though they are the only one there, that they are the most important person, because they are. That treatment makes them feel respected, validated, and acknowledged. That interaction in itself is therapy. It's being positive with them. And being positive is contagious. Studies in workplaces have shown that Pessimistic workers poison the workplace by spreading their attitude. The same is true for positive, upbeat, optimistic workers. People want to work with them. Their positivity spreads to others, so positivity is contagious. And finally, count your blessings and be grateful. An attitude of gratitude goes a long way to help put things in perspective. If you're having a rough day, at the end of the day, Sit down and name three things for which you are grateful. It is the attitude of gratitude that I wind up today's show. First, I want to thank Angela Gonzalez for being today's guest and sharing her experience in journalism, her words of wisdom about her life, and also sharing her, her love of music and song. You're my first angel or messenger for this show. I also want to thank my co-directors, Aaron and Andrew Stevens, for helping me launch this show. Andrew's with me in the studio today. He was with me uh, during the first show four years ago. And if anything happens to me while I'm on the microphone, he will substitute right away and carry on from there. I want to thank my husband, John Weber, who's here today for giving me the gift of gab and the gift of radio and, and, and the ability to share my thoughts and feelings with all of you out there. And I want to thank my friend Maddie for coming with me. Everybody can use a Maddie in their life. I, I call Maddie one of my hide-the-body friends. You know what they are. God forbid if you ever had to exterminate somebody. They're the handful of people that you would tell, and they would get the truck, the shovel, you know, 
tell the press and, and the police that you're innocent, that you didn't do it. So thanks, Maddie, for, for being here and giving me the positive energy and the nods and, and, and being faithful to me for that. I don't know how many pe people will listen in to this show. And really, my hope is that the, the word will spread and many people will listen in. But my purpose isn't for millions necessary to listen in. I always believe it isn't about making the money off this show. We don't make money off this show because we, we own the, the sponsorship. John covered this. Really, the hope of this is to touch at least one life out there for this message and the message of positivity to affect at least one person. So my hope and prayer is at least one person who hears this show will take home a message that will make them happier in life, that will do something positive, and that will that positivity will spread and be contagious. I also thank you listeners for listening in and tuning in today. I know you have busy lives and and trying to tune into a live uh, conference is really important and I know this is a challenge sometimes, but having it on a podcast helps in your busy life. We're inviting you to tune in next week for our show. I've got a lot of interesting speakers lined up. Um, it's going to be an interesting show next week, uh, next Thursday. It'll be after 9-11. And we're going to talk about what happens in our lives when you have a 9-11 in the aftermath of tragedy. How does one become resilient? And our, our guest speaker next week will be Suzanne Giesman, who has an incredible story of how she witnessed 9-11 in the air uh, over New York and at the Pentagon as a military officer and became resilient and wound up in her fascinating journey to ultimately become a medium and will be speaking next week at the Afterlife Conference here in, in Phoenix. So please stay tuned to that show and all the other shows that we have ahead for you. So I'm really blessed to be here to have this time to talk to you. I thank you for listening in. Please take care, be safe, be positive, pray for the people. Uh, on the East Coast who are experiencing the hurricane, for the people in, in Texas who are recovering from the hor horrible hurricane, be positive, and most of all, God bless you all. Thank you for listening in. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.